Welcome to the Masters of Mediocrity podcast. I am your host for the first time ever, Fraser Kesselring. Not co-host, but host. Uh, I'll be doing this by myself, putting the team on my back, just like Greg Jennings in 2010. Um, my brother's sick, and we had to put out a podcast this week, so I'm going solo. I'm riding solo. So here we go. Um, I'm just going to get right back, in, right into it. Um, I just finished watching the PGA Tour, uh, the player... PGA Championship. Um, Tiger is back, baby. It's probably the most excited I've ever been about golf. Um, and that's uh, that's saying a lot because <laughs> golf isn't always super exciting. But just to have Tiger back in this situation is is something that I never really thought I would see before see again. Um, when he went out with that back injury and he had the, you know, the reoccurring back problems and it got so bad where he had to get his spine fused, um, where he was unsure about his future and his ability to play golf again, just to see him competing and being there in the final round, you know, he's a few putts short. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone play so poorly on the front and have the ability to come back and, and score some of these shots. I mean, he didn't hit a single green in regulation on the front, which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that if if that happened to me, I would be plus 30, you know, through the front nine. And he was able to put up a great round, uh, minus two on the front. Um, he shot a 64, I think, overall. So he was six under on the last day, which is his lowest ever. Granted, it was a par 70, but that's even that being said, um, just to have Tiger back in contention and seeing him there on that last day with those fist pumps with that red jacket, I mean, it was pretty sweet. Um, I'm not that upset. I, I like Brooks Kepka a, Kepka a lot. Um, he played golf with my cousin down in Florida. They were on the same team. Uh, shout out to Boynton Beach down in Florida holding it down. Um, so it, it's cool to see someone like that do well again. And, uh, you know, he seemed pretty unflappable. Tiger and uh, Adam, Adam uh, Scott, they were there right there with him. And he just cues a cool as a cucumber just completely unfazed um so it's pretty cool to see you know we've had a few waves of these young talented players kind of come up and not really stay in that dominant level um i mean you can go back to when rory was doing this in the early like early 2013 ish area uh and then there was you know jordan spieth for a little bit ricky fowler you had you've had a few of these young guns kind of biding for the top spot you know uh dustin johnson so you, you got a bunch of these guys but none of them have had sustained dominance quite like tiger has so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with kepka here um if he's able to keep the momentum going and you know maybe he's the next new dominant golfer um he 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 won two out of the four uh, major events this year and he only competed in three of them um which is pretty impressive and, you know, what's the, when you drive the ball like that, I mean, everyone's going to say that he's just this freaking monster power hitter. That's true. But if you see him out there, this guy's making saves left and right. I mean, I remember watching him during the British Open. And at the time I had Tommy, I had some, you know, I might have had some capital on Tommy Fleetwood. So I, I was ruined for Fleetwood. Fleetwood was sitting in there pretty you know, he was two, two strokes off the lead, but he was sitting in the clubhouse. So he was basically just waiting for, 
like catastrophe to happen for one of these dudes on the top of the leaderboard to drop off so he could make his way into playoff. And I kept expecting Kepka to kind of crumble a little bit. He was hitting it in the fescue. He was hitting it in the long grass and it just didn't matter. This dude was making these unbelievable saves from all over the course and he just doesn't care. Like he, he's just Terminator. He's just straightforward. You know, whatever I have to do to win, he does. Um, so it was pretty cool to see to see Kepka, you know, not give in again and put up a pretty solid performance on the last day. Um, but just the fact that Tiger was there competing, um, and we we got a little glimpse of that uh, on the last uh, again. It was a Karnowski, um, where he kind of had a shot. He was in contention for a little bit and then fell out pretty quickly. Um, but just I never thought I'd see him in this position. I never thought he'd have a chance to another win another major. And that might not be the case. You know, there is a chance, you know, there's there's signs of light for him as far as the rest of his career goes, where he could potentially win another major, which is absolutely amazing. Um, comeback like that for a dude who seems like he's finally gotten his life on track a little bit. Um, it, I mean, it makes for like a perfect story. We've seen the young dominance. We saw him, you know, have his, his body betray him, his mind betray him where he was, you know, he was, he wasn't very faithful. (laughs) And then after that, he couldn't get his mind right. His body continued to break down. He showed a flash when he was the player of the year in 2013, but still hasn't shown his ability to compete for a major, and we're finally seeing that. Um, so going forward, he's 43, which you know is a spring chicken as far as golf goes. He's still got some chance. He's still got some you know bullets in the gun where he could potentially make a run at one of these majors. So I just had, I, so I just finished up rapid, watching that. So I'm I'm a little fired up about that. But I'm going to talk about golf or uh, football mostly here. Um, as we're getting closer and closer to the football season, um, all that has happened is there have been more and more injuries. Um, Geis for the Redskins, who was a promising talent out of LSU, seemed like he was making a push for that lead back role. Making a push for that lead back role. Uh, Chris Thompson was there, but Chris Thompson's a little more of that pass catcher running back, niche running back, um, you know, who, who's going to be there on third downs. But guys seemed like he could have been, you know, the starting running back and given them a little life in the backfield. And he went down with a torn ACL. Uh, you just hate hate to see that that early. Um, and it's gone back throughout, you know, every year there, there's these injuries. Hunter Henry who people were penciling in as a top five fantasy running back. Geis as another potential sleeper in this year's draft. Uh, two years ago, Jordy Nelson blew out his ACL. Um, uh, Odell Beckham, I believe, started off one year with it. He had a broken foot. So it's just, you You always see, there's going to be injuries in the precinct, which you hate to see. But if knowing that, what we do for our fantasy draft is we have it later, but there's a lot of people that have it, you know, early on, you know, close to the, when the draft ends. And I just think that's a terrible idea because you are going to see 
these injuries that happen. And then, you know, if you take some of these players early, now you're stuck with the season. There hasn't been a single snap. And, you know, your your team is almost already decimated. Um, and I know that it doesn't matter in the long run. You know, there's nothing worse than when people tweet at NFL players, you know, saying they're upset that they're injured. Like, that's the most messed up thing in the world. I'm just saying there's no real reason to start your fantasy draft super early because there are going to be these injuries. And that's something that you just have to account for. Um, so we always do our draft right after the last preseason game when there really can't be too many injuries. And if there is, there might be some fluke injury during a practice, but odds are that's not really going to happen. Um, yeah, so it just sucks. It sucks to see these people's, um, you know, their season cut short before it really even began. Um, so it, that makes me think about practice time and how practice time has been so limited and how there are these chances for injury. And one thing that the Packers did during their OTAs that I thought was really smart, um, this is a very Packer-friendly podcast, so just, like, watch out. Um, But one thing that Mike McCarthy did that I thought was a really interesting idea was he didn't have any of his starters or veterans get pretty much many reps at all during OTAs, and it was strictly for these rookie and second-year players, which is something that was really important because... There's less and less practice time allocated for each team. So you have to be really smart about getting these players up to speed. There isn't enough time to get them fully up to speed. And that's why something like that um, is really beneficial to those young guys where they get those extra reps where during the regular season when there might not be as much time for those players to get reps, um, you know, they're, they're getting in the mindset. They're getting in a few more plays where normally they'd be with the second team or maybe third team and they're not getting nearly as many reps so I thought that was a really interesting idea as far as player preservation um, keeping them those veterans fresh and getting those young guys reps that they might not get otherwise Um, and that kind of brings me into the hard knocks team the Cleveland Browns the Cleveland Browns are on hard knocks, which is probably going to be the most exciting thing they have going for them this year. They should be a decent team, but I, I, I just don't know. I mean, watching hard knocks, it's tough because the, they're, they're talking about these players, right, that that aren't even getting dressed for, for practice because they're injured. And yes, I understand injuries. You need to be careful because, you know, a strain can, it can turn into a tear real quickly, but you don't have enough time for these players to be sitting around. And there was one scene in, in the last week's hard knocks episode where, um, Damaris Randall, and I'm trying to think who other, who the, the other secondary player was, but they were just sitting there talking the shit. And, um, coach was looking at him and they're just talking shit they're like oh coach is looking at us he's like so then Hugh Jackson was like oh what are you guys doing they're like oh no nothing just you know those guys don't that's Randall's first year there he doesn't have enough time to even catch up to know what's going on and he's standing there shooting the shit like this is where I should be this I should just be hanging out like I don't I I don't I'm I'm injured training set set training staff said I can't play so I'm just gonna hang out like 
there has to be something that they can do. I don't know whether it's like walkthroughs or have you, they have to be engaged. Mike Lombardi was talking about, you know, that's not how they run things in the Patriots. And that's the gold standard. That's what you have to live up to. You have to live up to what are the Patriots doing? You know, try stay away from the shady stuff that the Patriots are doing because we all know they're going to be doing some shady shit. But as far as getting their players up to speed and running them through, you know, not just the normal drills, but situational drills that will come up in a game like that's the shit that makes sure you're prepared. You need that kind of stuff. And Hugh Jackson, when the when one of the defensive coordinators came up to him and said, like, hey, man, listen, like, I understand these guys are injured, but, like, they have to at least dress. Like, put the, put the emphasis, not the emphasis, but, you know, put it on me to say, like, all right, you're not going through this drill. Like, I understand they're injured, but they still have to be there. And Hugh Jackson basically shot the guy down and said, like, no, like, we need to worry about injuries. It's like, yeah, but like they don't have to be doing any physical activities. They can just run, th- walk through the motion. They can, you know, it's more about mental stimulus and more about, you know, mental preparation. When you only have a certain number of hours that they are allowed to practice, you have to make sure that you're maximizing every single minute of that. And, you know, Baker Mayfield's talking about whatever they're in a van or some shit down by the river living on a steady government steady supply of government cheese i don't know i don't know how i feel about baker he had a good performance but he kind of just seems like it should be given to him you know hugh jackson had to tell him to come in with tyrod in the morning because tyrod comes in two hours before him or an hour before him or whatever it's like Listen, if this dude wanted it, he would have shown up. He would he would say, oh, shit, like Tyrod's coming at two out three hours early. I got to be three and a half hours early. That's how you have to be if you're going to be the starting quarterback, quarterback for an NFL team. You can't just, you know, he thinks because he was the first overall pick that they're just going to gift him the job. Tyrod's not about that life. Tyrod is going to put up a fight, dude. Tyrod's lived that backup life. He, he lived through all the bullshit in Buffalo. Dude. This dude is a competitor. He's going to show up and he's not going to let his job slip away. And Baker almost seems like it should just be his. I, he he feels like, why am I putting up with all this stuff? You know, I should just be given the job. Um, so I don't know. It'll be, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that progresses, how that. And the other thing is like all these rookies aren't treated the same. You know, you got Nick Chubb. He's there by himself. Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in NCAA last year. You know, he's getting his own bags where Baker Mayfield's being personally greeted, you know, and getting helped with all this stuff. And this other rookie quarterback is filling the fridge and getting all the fruits like Baker should be doing that shit, too. He's a rookie, too. Just take out the fact that he's the first overall pick. You got to you got to forget that, you know, you got to treat him like you would treat him anyone else. What's he going to do? Like leave? That's, that's not an option. So, like, you know, you can't have him get this mindset where he is better than everyone else and people are catering to his needs. Um, Yeah, I don't know. So, we'll see. It should be interesting what happens to Baker. You know, I'm, not, I'm always for, you know, talent or whatever uh, showing through. But it's just the whole idea of 
treating team teammates differently is just kind of it doesn't sit right with me. So I uh, leads me to the next quarterbacks. Um, I was thinking about how two of the the main quarterbacks of the NFL last year changed teams, and that's Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith. Um, I'm not saying they're the two elite talents of last year or the quarterback crop last year, but that's pretty big moves. I mean, so Kirk Cousin, let's just start off with Kirk Cousin. He's switching to Minnesota, which I think is a huge upgrade for him. I don't know if it's as big of an upgrade for Minnesota as a talent standpoint, going from Keenum to Kirk Cousins, but I think the weapons that Kirk Cousins has around him this year compared to what he had around him last year is a huge step up. Um, last year, you know, Kirk Cousins was throwing the ball to Jordan Reed, who was injured. So it was Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis. Um, you got uh, Josh Doxson, um, Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder, had he started off all right, but I think he had some lingering shoulder injury that kind of um, derailed his season a little bit, but, um, so that's what he went with last year. Now he's going to probably the two best receiving duo, uh, or the best receiving duo in the NFL in Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. I think those two are super underrated, um, from a talent and skill standpoint. Diggs, unbelievable route runner. And Adam Thielen is just a full, you know, he has he has it all. He's got speed, he's got route running, he's got shiftiness. I mean, that dude is legit. And to think that they picked him up off some random tryout is pretty unbelievable. So those are his two main wide receivers. He's going to get Delvin Cook, who before going down with a knee injury last year, um, he only played four games last year, which I feel like he played more, way more than that. But yeah, that's all he played. So he, he'll be coming back off injury. Um, you know, running backs with knee injuries, not always great, but I feel like ever since AP kind of came back, um, it hasn't been as big of an issue. So he's going to have those two guys, those wide receivers and, and Thielen and Diggs. Um, he's going to have Delvin cook in the backfield with him. And then Kyle Rudolph, who is a legit tight end weapon. And, um, no, that's what I was going to say. So He's going to have a full arsenal of weapons next year. And I think he is going to really put up some great numbers with those guys. Um, he just didn't have a lot of help last year. Um, and this this team, I think it suits his play style really well, too. Um, he's not afraid to go long, and Thielen and, and Diggs are two players that can go long. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what's going on with Minnesota. They were a good la- good team last year, and I feel like they're going to be even better this year. I'm not a huge Cousins supporter. I think his his surrounding is really important to him. The The people that have they have around him boost him up a lot more. You know, if you put him on another team, I don't think he would perform as well. Um, I think other than that, he's like, you know, an average or slightly above average quarterback, but um, I think that's about it for him. Uh, I know he struggled real bad in the red zone last year. I think he was uh, 30th in the red zone efficiency last year, um, and he's going to have some 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 players around him that are going to help out. You know, Rudolph is an absolute beast in the red zone. Um, 
So we'll see. That should be interesting to see what goes on with Minnesota. And then Alex Smith, who will be replacing Kirk Cousins, um, he is going to uh, an offense that I think will suit him pretty well. Um, You know, there's a lot of... The talent isn't as good as he had last year, so I think he might take a step back, but he still has a few... Um, pieces around him that he's going to be taking advantage of. If Jordan Reed can stay healthy, um, Alex Smith is going to throw him a lot of footballs. Um, You saw it with Travis Kelsey last year. Um, Alex Smith relies pretty heavily on the tight end. And if Jordan Reed can stay healthy and keep his head on, you know, (laughs) just keep his head on, he'll be fine. Uh, So we'll see. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what those two quarterbacks do. It's kind of crazy to see uh, big names get moved around. Speaking of another big name that might get moved around, Cleo Mack hasn't yet reported to Raiders practice, and there are talks of them potentially dealing Cleo Mack. Um, he's asking for right around 22 million a year, but I'm guessing that he wants Aaron Donald to sign first. And then he can base his contract off Aaron Donald's. It's almost like a game of chicken where you have these two guys who are kind of waiting for the other person to make a move. The other person to, you know, finalize the deal. It's kind of like how the the quarterback class have been. It's every quarterback deal that has been signed is the highest one. Every year it's, you know, uh, I'm trying to think. Matt Ryan was the highest paid quarterback. Uh, Matthew Stav, you know, they've all taken turns. It's basically whoever's the newly signed quarterback is the new highest paid. And that's that kind of how it is for every position. One player sets a mark, sets the market, and then the rest fall in line. So Cleo Mack, I think he, as much as he's waiting for the Raiders, I think he's waiting a little bit for Aaron Donald and the Rams to sign and figure out, you know, what he can ask for. But he's been a beast. Um, since his second year in the league, he's been elite pass rusher. His first year, I think it took him a little bit to adjust to the speed and everything of the NFL. But with that being said, he's always been a dominant run defender, elite run defender. He has been better than Von Miller from a run defense standpoint. Um, he, I don't think he's a better player than Von Miller. I think he might be a small knock below Von Miller, but he's still in the same, you know, stratosphere of Von Miller. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility to say that like they're the same player, you know? So if you're the Raiders, you got to get that deal done. Um, And if I'm another team that has the potential of landing Von Miller, I'm making a move. Um, I know according to Vegas, the Packers are in the lead to get Von Miller, or not Von Miller, Khalil Mack, at plus 300. And if you're the Packers, you got a new GM. You got Rodgers, who is upset that in the past they haven't done enough to help him. So this year they've done a few things and, you know, gotten Jimmy Graham and um, gotten Mercedes Lewis. And uh, I'm trying to think of some other things that they've done they've made some moves all right so if you're the Packers you want to show Aaron Rodgers like all right we're really only a few pieces away they got Nick Perry who they paid big money two years ago who can't stay healthy on the outside 
And you got Clay Matthews who's getting up there in age. If you got Clay, Clay, Clay Mack there with Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Muhammad Wilkerson. So you got this young elite pass rusher. That's a scary, scary team. If you're the Packers, you made that trade with um, the Saints to get to acquire the next year's number one pick. So they have two number one picks next year. If you could somehow make a package, a first and a second for Cleo Mack, or two firsts even, I think that's something that you have to do. I don't know if that's a possibility, but I feel like that's something that you have to do. Um, some of the other teams that are in contention for getting Mac are the Jets at plus 700. Um, if I'm the Jets, I don't think I make that deal unless you don't have to give up much. The Jets are just kind of too far away to make a big splash play like that for someone who's going to eat up a lot of cap room. Um, the cap has meant less and less each year with the increasing cap numbers, you know. So signing these big players isn't necessarily a kill shot you know like let's say if something if one of these big players doesn't pan out it's not necessarily the end um and you you see with these huge quarterback deals i mean like these dudes making huge money and it who who was it last year um was it mike glennon for the bears he got paid like 20 million dollars last year and like didn't even play but the bears are fine from a you know a cap hit standpoint it just doesn't matter um I would much rather have Cleo Mack for $22 million for the next four years or five years, you know, have him a $100 million contract um, than, you know, Mike Glennon. <laughs> uh, he, he's the type of, he, he makes a difference on the defense. You know, the Raiders are terribly, terrible defensively besides Mack pretty much. Um, but Mack changes everything. Um so it'll be interesting to see as we get closer to the season and every day that he doesn't go to camp costs more more money for him. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see really what happens. Um, I'm guessing that the Raiders probably get something done. But, you know, John Gruen seems pretty stubborn and he's had, you know, he, he, he'll butt heads with players. He's there. John Gruen's there for the long haul. He's got a 10 million, 10 year, $100 million contract, right? Like, the Raiders went heavy on him. They're going to back him pretty much for the first, I don't know, five years. They ha- they have to. They have so much money in Gruden that if Gruden's like, oh, well, we're going to trade Matt. Like, he, they kind of have to. They're kind of stuck. Where are they going to cut bait with Gruden already? Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. It should be, should be interesting. Um, trying to think what else. Saw Saquon Barkley's first play from scrimmage during the preseason game, uh, which was pretty impressive. You can see the vision that he has for a young dude. Um, I'm excited. I think it's going to be really interesting. I honestly think the Giants are going to have a huge bounce back year this year. Um, You know, Odell going down last year. They are pretty much out their top three, four wide receivers last year. Everyone's saying Eli's dead. I don't know about that. Um, their O-line was a disaster. They had no run game, and they had no pass catchers. So what did you really expect to happen? 
<laughs> and their defense that was number two, according to Pro Football Focus, in 2016, regressed to uh, 22nd in, I think it was 22nd last year. So it was kind of a perfect shitstorm. You know, shit whims are, uh, are brewing. So I don't know. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the Giants, but I think the Giants are going to be able to bounce back a little bit this year. Um, hard not. Okay. Uh, my last little thing, I'm going to, I'm going to just touch on the little league world series for a second. The little league world series, right? These are kids playing baseball. (laughs) Why is there instant replay for a children's game? I know all sports are just games, but this is absolutely absurd. You should not have a challenge in kids' baseball. What is going on? What world do we live in that that is a good idea? It, it, it's so crazy. I just don't... You These kids already have the, the best umpires they'll probably ever play with, right? Because, you know... They're on this field, you know, it's on TV now, so they're going to have good umpires. So, like, they're way better than any of the umpires that they're playing with in their normal Little League games. Like, do they, doesn't he really have to have reviews? Just let the kids play. I'm all for instant replay and other stuff, but, like, this is getting a little out of hand. I mean, just, like, who who cares? It's not like you could bet on this. Like, if you can gamble on this, then I'm all for having replays. But, like, you, this isn't something that, requires the utmost accuracy this is a fucking kids game like it's getting absolutely ridiculous um on that note this podcast that take was brought to you by mrballcapscott.com go check them out they got the best vintage hats sports apparel out there on the market and if you use promo code tmom t-m-o-m at checkout you'll get 15 percent off your whole purchase um all purchases over $50 get free shipping as well. So go check that out. Just got a new full-size run of the Cucumbas hats, the hardball hats, um, fitted. Go check those out right now. Um, they're going pretty quick, so make sure you you comp yours before the summer's over. And uh, check us out, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, wish I could have my brother here, but fought through it. I uh, tried to just do a solo pod, uh, feel like Colin Coward, um, <laughs> like a really bad version of Colin Coward. But yeah, hope you guys enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, let let me hear your feedbacks. Go to iTunes and rate and review us. Uh, five stars and the offer still stands. If you send me a snapshot with your review, I will send you money. Just send me your Venmo name. Uh, I might be broke, but I'm still pushing out here, still grinding, you know, trying to blackmail you guys. Uh, so do that. Team Mom at checkout at mrballcops.com. And uh, that's a wrap.